Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 61, where in a moment we discuss banking. But if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. In our programmes to date, uh, we've covered mortgages, investments, credit unions, pensions, help to buy schemes, self-build homes, premium bonds, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much anyway. And last week, we looked post-furlough into starting your own business. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And in that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me, as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. So, Phil, here's one that, again, I don't think we've mentioned before. And 61 shows in, that's some kind of accomplishment. So why banking and why now? Yeah, I think we had a question a week or two ago from somebody up in Caithness. I think their local bank was was closing. And I know that's something that's happening more and more, not just up there, but all, all over the country. North and south, there, there's sort of banks closing all the time. They're trying to encourage people to do more kind of internet banking. So I thought probably a, a good time to, to look at a show. We, we can go through banking, touch on like different types of kind of current accounts, that sort of thing. And also probably speak a wee bit about online options and, and that as well. So I thought it'd be quite a, a good one to do today. Yeah, you're right. Not just Keith Ness. I can tell you about D-Side on a, a personal level as well. TSB, RBS, both moved out of the area not long ago. Then I heard very recently that um, Virgin Money is set to close in Mancury as well. And that took me a second because my brain at this stage of life, Phil, now works in old money for things like names of banks and pubs. You know, your point of reference will be versions ago. So Virgin Money and Mancury, for anyone else like me, was the Clydesdale on the high street next to the stack in the hardware shop by the bus stop. There you go. Glad to help. Okay, so it's changing. Branches closing and some remote banking with trailers or vans visiting communal uh, areas once a week for a couple of hours or, or something similar. We'll get on to that in a little bit, but let's start with something that seems to be a fairly robust principle within the banking system, and that's bank accounts. Take us through what they are, what variations of the theme there are as well, Phil. Yeah, I thought I'd go through just some of the, the different types of accounts and like the, the most popular bank account is your, your current accounts. And just to go through a wee bit about what current account is, and I mean, they, they're great for managing your, your day-to-day money. That, that's what they're really for. You can receive regular payments into your accounts, such as your wages, any benefits you might get, tax credits, pension payments. So they can all go, go into it. You can also set up payments to come out of a, a current account as well. So that might be standing orders, direct debit, usually a really convenient way to, to pay for things. And I know a lot of places, if you pay by direct debit, they, they'll often give you sort of some things like a, a discount for, for paying that way. Most current accounts, they tend to come with a, a debit card, which you can use to, to buy things. I know the, the contactless limit recently went up to £100, but you might find that some places might not start using that yet because a lot of the machines will still be fixed at the, the £45 limit, what it was before. But everything nowadays, it's all to try and make life easier, is it? Mm. I mean, 
created just at the tap of a, a button you can pay for things and some some current accounts will give you a checkbook but checkbooks are quite archaic now is it it's, i know i, I know I, I don't know if it when the last time you would have written a check john or oh, received a check well I, t- I tell you and this is the thing and it's a sign it's a sign probably of a, a generational thing so quite often you might get you know something like um great auntie margaret will send you a check at christmas time and the thing is now I mean, she, she's not thinking about this, but it's very nice of her to send the check in the first place. Hello, Auntie Margaret, if you're listening. But you, you receive a check, right? And we literally have to go back into town. So it's about a 60-mile round trip if we want to pay it into our bank because that's the closest one. Just recently, and I think I might talk about this a little bit later on as well when we're talking the, 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 some of the things that you know banks offer, they've started doing like a facial recognition yeah. So you take a photo of the, in our case, in our banking app, you take a photo of the check in question and I think both sides of it. And then you can, you can authorize it with a, a, you know, a facial recognition and they'll pay it in and then you rip up the paper version. But up until that point, it was an absolute nightmare yeah. because they are, as you say, archaic. I know Becky in the, the office, she, anytime she gets checks in, they're, they're few and far between, but um, she just takes a photo of it and pays it into the bank yeah. that way. Yeah. So um, there is the, the system's changing. I guess they're trying to make everything as simple and, and easy for, for people as, as possible. But coming back to current accounts, you, you need to be over 16 to open a current account. Although with some banks, they won't let you open it until you're, you're 18. You'll find with some current accounts, the banks might want a minimum amount going in there. And also, if, if you have an overdraft facility, the banks are likely to take um, do some sort of credit check on you just to make sure that you're, you're credit worthy. So you would need to pass that if, if you've got that type of account. And a lot of current accounts will come with, with an overdraft. I suppose that's where the banks are looking to, to make their money because most current accounts are free. That Generally, you, you do get some that you have to pay for. We'll, we'll kind of touch on that. You get some what's called package sort of bank accounts. I'll, I'll speak about that in, in just a moment or two. But on the whole, the bulk, most current accounts usually tend to be free. Where you have to watch, though, is if you, you miss payment, or like, for example, if you've direct debits set up and you don't have enough in your account, if you go overdrawn, that's when the banks will, will start imposing charges. And likewise, if, if you go overdrawn and have an overdraft limit, the interest rates could be quite high. And if you go over that limit, that's when, again, there's, there's more charges come in. Often find a good place to, to compare current accounts to some of the, the comparison websites. With, with current accounts, you can apply in person, by post, over the phone. And as I mentioned, a lot of current accounts these days are all done online. So that, that kind of really a wee bit about sort of like current accounts. Well, one question that comes up quite frequently is about joint bank accounts. And we, we actually did a previous podcast, episode 40, yep. was one on whether you should manage your finances jointly or individually. A, a joint account, it lets you manage your, any money that you've got or share it with, with other people. So that, that's one benefit of a, a joint account. Um, you can Any costs can be shared. Most of the time, it tends to be someone would take that out with a partner or wife or husband. But I have seen some housemates kind of open joint accounts or siblings maybe open joint accounts. So it's not just married couples or, or people in partnerships that will do that. But some of the pros is that it's a straightforward way of sharing money, managing your living costs, such as any bills, mortgage or rent payments. Some people find that having a joint account, it helps them prevent arguments about money because they, they both know 
what's kind of going on. One of the downsides is that if you open a joint account with somebody, you can then be seen to be linked to them. So that could impact on your, your sort of credit situation. I guess by having a, a joint current account as well, or a joint bank account, you're, you're losing some of the privacy of, of your, your money. So that would be another thing there. But that's one thing for different people, got different sort of circumstances. So it's trying to find the, the best accounts there for, for everybody. I, I mentioned earlier about the, the packaged bank accounts or ones yeah. that you, you pay for. And I know I, I had one of these myself in the past. Royal Bank of Scotland used to do the, they had the royalties account and they had like royalties gold, yeah. royalties um, platinum. And I think there was maybe an, another one as well, but you also get these sort of packaged accounts where you pay a monthly fee and then you've got other benefits included. And some of that benefits, I know on my RBS account, used to have um, travel insurance was included in there. You got a preferential overdraft rate. They, they often used to say that you'd get sort of better rates if you were taking out loans and stuff. But some, some of the benefits on these packaged accounts, as I say, could be like travel insurance. You often find that they come with like ID fraud insurance. I've seen some with car breakdown cover in the past. Yep. I know the RBS one that I had, it had mobile phone insurance, although I think in, in gadget insurance, but I think they may have kind of taken that off of that one now. <laughs> they better not have, because I've still got my, I'm still working have on that still principle. I'm still working on that principle that mine's insured via that, so I'll yeah. have to go double check. That's it. You know, it's like it's great to, to just look and see from time to time what, does your bank account cover if it is one of these packaged accounts? Because I, I know when I had that that packaged account, they used to change it quite often. You would get a letter through saying, right, we've changed the provider of this bit of it. So this yeah. terms and conditions have changed. So it's trying to keep up to, to date with all of that. But sometimes the, the packaged accounts, they might have like a preferential interest rate or you maybe get like discounted rates if you're overdrawn. Other things that can sometimes include like, Commission-free travel money is is one that I've seen as well. And I, I think I've even seen ones that do like airport lounges where you can get into there. So, and then um, I, I remember on the RBS one, one of the benefits that I used to use a lot was getting tickets for like concerts and sporting events, but they they did away with that as well. That was one of the things that I liked about that account. But yeah. it is, it's important just to kind of keep up to date with things, just to, to see if stuff changes over time. The problem with that is that they, they quite often they'll send out, you know, um, there have been changes made to your account. Uh, and here's a letter with 16 or 17 pages to explain what those changes are. And you think, oh. it's, it's like that, you know, when you get down to the terms and conditions thing on and you're online and it says, you know, please read our terms and conditions and then tick the box. You just think, OK, I'm just going to tick the box. <laughs> I mean, it, you always it's always like that. So there is, as you say. Um, you're, you're pulling us up in this one, Phil. It's worth going back in and, and actually having a look and seeing what you know you had, whether that is still there as part of that package bank account. Um, the next one is is uh, sort of fee, fee it's not easy to say, fee-free basic bank accounts. How does that differ then from current accounts? Yeah, you'll find that like you, you get mo most of the big banks, so that some of the providers that do this is like a Barclays, Santander, NatWest, HSBC, TSB, they, they've got what's called fee-free basic bank accounts. So they, these are for people who don't have a bank account and who maybe wouldn't 
qualify for a standard current account. So okay. if you've maybe had a poor credit rating in the past or you have maybe don't have much credit history, one way to sort of get on the ladder for that is just with one of these sort of free basic bank accounts. And, and what you'll find is with them, you don't have the option for being overdrawn. It's really just a, a sort of basic bank account that, that there's fewer services with that type of account. So you can still have your, your wages, benefits, and any other income paid into the account. You can usually sort of pay money in. You, you can often get a checkbook as well with, with that ones, but it doesn't have the facility for, for borrowing money or kind of going overdrawn. You, you can still use that type of account for like regular bills, paying them by direct debit or standing order. And you can usually still use the ATM cash machines as well. So that's uh, another thing that you, you've still got access to um, there. Other things with just like the basic bank accounts as well, as you can sort of check your account balances over the counter, at a cash machine, online, on your mobile, if you've got access to it. And you can use the debit card to pay for things in, in shops. But one thing to note, whether it's uh, like one of these free accounts or, or any kind of current account, when you do open one, you will need ID for, for money laundering purposes. So the banks are going to be looking for maybe copy a passport or driving license to prove who you are. And then they'll also usually need a recent utility bill to prove your, your address as well. So that's that's something else that they, they'll tend to ask for there. Okay, we've spoken about um, credit unions in the past. We did a, an episode on that. I'm sure you're going to tell me in a minute which one, <laughs> what number that was. <laughs> but credit union accounts is, is another one that we can look at. Yeah, that's uh, another one as well. I mean, we, we did, I think it was... Episode 46 we did on credit unions. We had <laughs> on yeah. then, so I haven't got them all memorised. I wrote that down before we, we started. <laughs> but, you know, with, with so many back issues that, I know. It, you, that quite often there's some things that have came up from, from time to time, but credit, well, I mean, credit unions can be popular with, with people who prefer to manage their money through a not-for-profit organisation. I mean, the banks are there to make a profit to pay their shareholders, but as credit unions aren't like that. So if you've had difficulty opening an account with a bank or building society, credit credit union could be a good option for you. I was going to say credit unions, they're cooperatives. They're set up by buying for members to benefit their community. Yes. They mainly offer savings accounts and loans to their members, but some now offer current accounts as well, prepaid credit cards. Some also do, do mortgages. So um, a lot more to, to credit unions these days. And uh, last of all, I think this is the post office one, isn't it? National savings accounts? Yeah, I, I was going to say one, one thing that, that's coming up a lot these days, um, the, the post office, where high street banks closing, one of the things that the post office now does is they, they've got something called everyday banking. There, there's over 25 providers now allow you to access some of their banking services at the post office, um, you can also do cash withdrawals there, cash deposits, balance inquiries. So if, if your local bank has closed, if you've got a post office close by, you might be able to still access some of the, the services there. Because I know that a lot of people, they, they want to go in and, and visit a branch and, and speak to somebody. If you go on the post office website, you'll see a list of all the various banks there that deal with the, the post office for this um, everyday bank, and it's called. And, and likewise, going back to the credit unions, if someone's looking for a credit union, there's a website, um, it's findyourcreditunion.co.uk. So a couple of different places there that you can find 
sort of services where, where it can take you to to various banking places. It's interesting, isn't it? Because for, for ages, people were, uh, you know, especially if you lived out with the main sort of city centres, post office is is something you don't really appreciate until you are out with those environs. And, and if you're in the countryside, it's a pretty vital link. But there were post offices being closed pretty much everywhere in the countryside, in the same way that banks are closing now. And the fact that banks are probably closed quicker has offered a lifeline to those post offices that were still open and, and maybe under threat of closure, uh, simply because they've got that everyday banking going on. So I suppose that is a positive coming from a negative, if you like. Yeah. How, do you know, um, how do you know which one's the right one to open for? I mean, we've done, what, seven or so there? Or, or how do you go about yeah. switching? If you say you're getting married, you want to set up a joint account. How easy is it to move maneuver about the sort of banking universe, if you like? I know, like, choosing the right account really depends on your circumstances and what you want the account for. I know for myself, I mean, I've I've changed bank previously. I, I've always liked to try and have a local bank if I can. So I, I've, and I know when the RBS closed in the town I'm in, I moved my accounts to, to another bank. One, one good thing is that banks and building societies, they, they nearly all offer, it's like a seven-day current account switch service. So that's been put in place to try and make things easier if you do want to switch banks. It's basically you go in, sign the forms, they take care of all the paperwork for you, they deal with your old bank to, to kind of swap everything over. So in theory, it should be quite a seamless sort of thing. The good thing there as well, it's backed by a guarantee that means you'll be refunded any interest and charges on your old account and new accounts if anything goes wrong. So um, the, the banks are trying to make it easier for people to swap or switch bank accounts from one bank to, to another as well. It's a bit like, um, I don't know if you've ever done this, when you've gone from uh, a broadband provider to broadband provider and they give you, I think it's a pack number or something they call it. And, and that's right, you know, yeah. You have this handover number and they just do the rest behind the scenes. So that's handy to know as well. Now, um, in days gone by, you'd read stories of, of like, you know, some old codger dying who'd been bedridden for the last however many years and everyone would think that they were penniless before finding half a million in banknotes stuffed into his mattress. And they used to write that sort of thing into the plot to carry on films as well. And however it came up, it was always suggested, you know, it's a bit of a daft thing, because if you just stuck money in the bank, it would have made money and interest. But that was before banks ever went bust uh, and, and were paying a decent level of interest. What about now, Phil? Should I be breaking open my mattress again? You know, I, I get a lot of people, especially I see it online a lot where they're like, oh, the banks are a waste of time or they want to invest money. Just keep their money under the mattress. And, you know, one of the things I would say to that is what, what happens if your house went up on fire? If that happened, your money's kind of gone up in smoke, is it? And I, another thing as well is what happens if you die and nobody knows it's there? Again, that money's then gone. I, I know my grandfather, before he died, um, he said to my dad and my uncle that he had um, money underneath the floorboards. Now, then I think it was a huge amount of money, but I mean, if he had died, nobody knew it was there. That might have been a couple of thousand pounds that nobody knew anything about. So one day somebody might have got a surprise thinking, Can't you, what the heck is this? But, um, but probably by the time it got found, it wouldn't have be even less money than it, it is now. But one of the concerns folk have is that the banks are going to go bust. I mean, I know in the banking crisis a number of years back, that was something that, that came up quite a lot there. But if your bank or building society goes bust, 
you're protected by what's called the Financial Services Compensation Scheme. And that protects you for up to £85,000. And if it was a joint account, it's actually then up to 170000 So the, the amount doubles there. But one of the things you'll find is that, I mean, I, I think, I, I know during the banking crisis, some people had more than that with, with some of the, the organisations. And when Northern Rock kind of failed, the government actually said, look, they, they stepped in and said they would guarantee the full amounts at, at that point. They, they didn't want a, like a crisis where everybody was withdrawing their money. And so, so they'll look at ways to try and not put pressure on the, the banking system as well. So, but it's good if you're, if you've large pots of money in different accounts. I always a, a great believer in putting in a few different places and always a great believer in diversifying as well. But the, the financial services compensation scheme is there to, to protect people. So you don't need to leave your money under the mattress or under the floorboards. One very good reason for not doing that, obviously. Now, right at the, the beginning there, we mentioned how more and more physical branches of banks appear to be closing. But the argument in favour of that is well, nobody was coming to the branch and using it as people prefer to do the banking online now. I have to say, a part of me thinks really sceptically about that. The same way I think councils saying, you know, we do less bin collections to encourage recycling is a thinly veiled cover of the fact it's cheaper to simply have less people working for you. Like I say, cynically, I think, well, of course, less and less people will bank and branch if you keep shutting them. And I do think there's a generational issue here as well for whom online banking and apps doesn't make things easier. It makes them impossible. But go on, Phil, you, you make the argument for the, the banking online and, and apps. Yeah, I mean, these days, I, I was at the airport yesterday, and honestly, in, in the lounge, almost everybody was on some kind of device, whether it was an iPad, an iPhone, some sort of smartphone. It was just, I, was, I, I didn't think there was one person that, that wasn't. And, and these days, people spend hours and hours on their, their smartphones. So the majority of folk have got them. I appreciate not everybody does, and some folk will still... There was one chap, he had like gone through the security, he had like almost one of these old Nokia phones, I think it looked like. So he probably wouldn't have the same level of access to, to apps and stuff on there. But I don't know, opening accounts online these days is a fairly straightforward process as long as you've got access to the, the internet, which most people tend to these days. I mean, I, I love my banking app and I can go on there, view my balance, I can set up direct debit, standing orders, I can pay bills easily. I can link it to things like my PayPal account. It just, I, I don't know, I, I'm finding, and again, it's all about easiness, is it? And life generally is these days. And, and for me, I know online banking has been, been great for myself. But one thing that is important to note with online banking is it's, you want to keep all your details safe. So make sure all your login details are, are safe. Be wary of kind of emails, phone calls, and text messages for people reporting to be from, from different banks. I mean, I, I got an email this morning and it, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was like, we're registering your details. Da, da, da. Please fill in this name, address. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, who falls for these? But yeah. before they do it, somebody must. That, that's the thing. And But there, there's always somebody out there looking for their, their kind of next unsuspecting victim. That's, that's one of the downsides, I guess, with, with online stuff. I mean, online fraud is... is increasing all the time but for me i i love the like the internet banking and online banking i, I don't know I mean, I'm, I'm maybe an ageist by saying this i mean maybe some older folk prefer going into the the banks and there is times where i'm the same i do like to to be able to go in somewhere and speak to, to someone and what one thing i found kind of with covid is that if you're trying to phone up certain financial institutions you might be 
on the phone for quite a long time. And like I say, you want in, in this day and age, everybody wants everything to be instant. instant and I guess yeah. that's one of the things that online banking helps you do. Yeah, I do have to admit, I, I use my bank apps every single day as well. It's an easy way to stay on top of things. But until recently, it was the things they didn't do that bothered me most. I spoke about this earlier. So for instance, if Auntie Margaret, you know, very generously sent me a check for my birthday, I'd have to drive 30 miles each way, only to find there was no parking in the Aberdeen branch that people don't use anymore. And then queue inside for 15 minutes, waiting behind the people who don't use the branches now. But very recently, banks have sort of picked up the challenge for paying in checks remotely with face recognition, which we like. They do sometimes make mistakes. That we, I mean, we've all been wrongly charged by a bank at some stage. And I'm sure I've got accounts in banks that I've forgotten about, Phil. I mean, how are they these days at helping you chase these things down? Yeah, if, if you're trying to locate an old bank, the, the first step is to try and talk to the, the bank or building society but then again, the, the, the ones getting taken over and stuff, you don't always know. I mean, like Bradford and Bingley became Abbey, which then became Santander. So it's easy to lose track of things over time. There is a website. It's called mylostaccount.org.uk. It's a free service that helps you trace your lost accounts and savings. So that's quite a good one for any to track anything down, like current accounts and savings accounts. Because that's the thing, isn't it? You think, I mean, I, I remember... Uh, the reason that I left my last bank prior to the one I'm with now uh, was because <laughs> on, on the day before we were due to take off on honeymoon, I tried to make one final payment for the honeymoon and uh, the, the bank wouldn't authorise it. And I, I went absolutely bananas because they assured me that they would and they wouldn't they wouldn't authorise it without yeah. you know my inside leg measurement and a blood <laughs> test and, and whatever else. Uh, and eventually, that thankfully they did. But I swore blind when I get back from this holiday, I'm taking anything that we've got. We're going across the road to that bank over there, <laughs> and that's what I did. And purely an in interest, and like maybe something that came in afterwards. You always think, I wonder if, I wonder how much it's made an in interest. You know, if they don't tell you, in a, on a, and everyone dreams of finding that one bank account that actually it's made thousands or something like that. Um, so it's good to know that you can track them down. Okay, tie this one up neatly for us then, Phil. Should we have a bank account? Which type to go for? All that, please. What are our key takeaways then from this? Yeah, episode? I mean, it, it, it's great to have a bank account. If you can get a current account, then it, it's that's a good thing to have. I mean, the, the right account really depends on your needs and circumstances, but weigh up all the various options and see which one's going to be the, the best one for you. Okay, now each week so far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. So Phil, today, banking, what have you got on that? Eh, this one, about well, not myself, but my, my youngest son, Alexander, I think it was his great uncle that invented the cash machine, which really? is quite, uh, I, wow. my, my ex-partner, it was like her, I one of her relations that, that, um, he didn't make any money off of it because um, I, I think he was employed by like one of the banks at the time. So a great invention. So it was him that, that invented like the cash machine and your pin number that, that went along with it. I can't remember his name, but so it's he's like a, a great uncle and my, my youngest son. So um, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if his name ended up being something like Edward Pin? <laughs> that's, that's quite an interesting one but I mean I, I've switched like I said earlier I've, I've switched bank accounts in the past and it, it, it's easy enough thing to, to do so it is I wouldn't be put off by, by that if you're not happy with your bank certainly look at as long as your credit allows as long as you've got a decent enough credit rating it should be easy enough to, to switch from one bank to, to another 
so I wouldn't be put off by that for, for folk as well. Okay, and Phil, we always do this bit as well. You find inspiration through various people that you admire and you love a, a famous quote. Have you got one that fits our subject on banking? I do. Banking is necessary. Banks are not. That's a, a quote from Bill Gates. <laughs> really? Wow. Uh, now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask him anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details in just a sec. We'll give it to you after these. So here's our first question. I read, you might have to help me out with this one, actually. I read an article by personal finance expert Robert, is it Kiyosaki? That's it, yep. Yeah, Robert Kiyosaki lately, where he predicted the biggest crash in world history this October. He says gold, silver, Bitcoin, and stocks are about to crash. What are your views on this? First of all, maybe I'm being cynical, but he's got a new book coming out in November, so it's maybe something <laughs> to do with that, that he's looking for a publicity just now. But I mean, he, he's an intelligent guy, a lot more intelligent than, than I am. But, you know, he, he's been predicting crashes every year for, for quite a number of years now. And the truth is, nobody knows when things will go up or down. One good thing is that when, when things do go down, it's a really good time to buy. So that, that's one thing that I, I would say there. And I would say that, I mean, at the moment, you've got the, the challenges presented by COVID. There's inflationary pressures, which usually, if inflation's high, it normally tends to put interest rates up to, to kind of try and counteract that. So stock markets don't really like it. If inflation's high and, and if interest rates rise, that's something that's usually a negative for, for stock markets. But my, my own kind of personal view is that we, we may well see a bit more volatility over the coming months. However, as I say, volatility isn't necessarily a bad thing for long-term investors because you're in things for, for the, the longer period. And, and sometimes if things are, as I say, if things are down, better time to, to go into something at that point. Yeah. Uh, so he's been predicting the, the sort of um, end of days in terms of finance for, for long enough. I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, even a, you know, a broken clock's right twice a, twice a day. <laughs> Phil. Next is one from Victoria in East Kilbride. Victoria says, should I sell my old premium bonds and buy a new set? I've won hardly anything over the years and all the jackpot winners seem to have bought their bonds more recently. You know, in, in the last 12 months, nearly half of the 24 million pound prize winners were bond numbers purchased either this year or last year. Wow. Now it is, and again, out, out of 17 out of the 24 millionaires in the past year have purchased their winning numbers within the last five years. So the evidence kind of suggests that it's more recent ones that are winning, but what national or national savings and investments, NSNI, what they like when you look well, when you drill down to it. I mean, the odds should be exactly the same for if you've got a bond that was bought 10 years ago or the same value bought now, the odds really are, are the same. But NS and I have said that over a third of premium bonds in, in the draw recently, they've all been purchased since the 1st of January 2020. So that's probably the, the reason why it's more newer ones that's winning. But in theory, your odds should be the same if you bought it 10 years ago or bought it a year ago. Good for them, I suppose, experiencing some sort of resurgence, though, Phil. Yeah, a lot of people, that, that's it, folk are thinking, right? And, and, well, the limit went up at one point. Um, I think it used to be 25,000, now you can put 30,000 in. So the limit had, had changed. And you do get some people that will 
cash them in and then buy them again because they think, oh, the, the numbers uh, come up more frequently, they talk. But in theory, I mean, at, at, the odds are still still exactly the same. Would you say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for Finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. Please be assured we won't use your real name if that's how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. 